Romans, countrymen, lend me your ears. I come to Hello, and welcome to Shakespeare, the official Lion Face Productions podcast where we talk about Shakespeare. My name is Chase, your mostly quiet producer. Today, we're going to be discussing the modern relevancy of the tragedy of Julius Caesar. Uh, if you live in Northwest Ohio and would like to get involved with our organization, be it to act, direct, or anything else theater-related, please reach out to us at facebook.com slash lionfaceproductions. And now, on with the show. Yes, was, was Chris Bryant something. Yeah, um, we were watching the World Series and Game 6, and she's watching with me. It was you know, before bedtime or whatever, and we're watching, and it was like a game's going on, and Cubs get the bases loaded, and it's early in the game, and I look at her and I say, Izzy, say, go Chris Bryant. Chris Bryant's coming up to bat. I'm like, Izzy, say, go Chris Bryant. She says, go Chris Bryant. She's like super into it, and he hits a grand slam. And so she was hooked. Of course, mm. at that moment, she's like, the guy I just said, go Chris Bryant. This guy, he he, he did something really good. She had, you know, didn't have a whole lot of understanding. She was three. But it still, it worked. Yeah. And so, but it, she was, she was hooked. And then like the next night I told her I was going to watch, it was like, I told Hannah because she was tired of me watching a ton of baseball at the house because I was like, she's not into baseball and I'm a huge Cubs fan. So I was what? like. I told her, I was like, I, I promised her I will be out of the house for game seven. I will go watch it with John. Because John had already watched some of the games with me. And I already promised. I was like, I told her, I was like, I'm going to be gone. So I leave the house the next day to go watch game seven with John. Um, and after I left, Izzy looks at Hannah and goes, are we going to watch the baby bears play? Are we going to watch baseball? So Hannah still ended up having to put on Game 7 of the World Series <laughs> so that Izzy could watch it. And then I'm, you know, I'm getting texts from Hannah about Izzy making her watch the World Series. And I'm like, I'm sorry. If I'd have known Izzy was going to watch it with me, I'd have stayed. I'd have told John to come over or something like that. And, you know, she could have watched it with me and John. And then, you you know, wouldn't have had to. And, like, Hannah was, Hannah put Izzy to bed and was still texting me throughout the game about the game. She's like, why am I still watching this? I don't a, like baseball. It's the same reason once your kid's in bed and you find out that you, and you're like, your kid has been asleep for an hour and you're still and watching. Sophia the Sophie, First. Sophia the First. And still on. <laughs> yeah. like, why am I still watching this? Gosh. Why am I still watching? There is no silence. There She's is still... only Doc McStuffins. <laughs> she really is a princess up in the castle doing it right. Turn it. She's trying to, to figure out how to be a, a princess. Yeah. It's important. It's important. She was a girl in the village. Yeah, her mom married. A, her she mom became a princess overnight. overnight. Yeah, her mom married the king, and she's so much to learn and see. Oh, helping the castle with her new family in a school made just for royalty. Yeah, that's right. I'm uh, so can... glad I am from recording. <laughs> you can tell that we have. Small children. It's true. Because Michael loved Sophia too. He, he did. He would watch. He a lot really of Sophia did. The first. But uh, we've fallen off of Sophia the first. And now oh, Izzy doesn't doesn't watch it anymore. No, either. no. Now it's uh, it's all about uh, Wyatt. You know, Super Y because he's the guy. He's oh yeah, Super, super y. y. Yeah, we've we've seen some Super he's Y. He's got the power, the power to read. Um, he Izzy, looks for the answers he needs. Since, since we cut the cord, since we got rid of cable, cable, you know, we do the Netflix thing, and the only Disney show she still really will want us to put on every once in a while is Octonauts. She loves Octonauts. I think I quote. I might quote Octonauts more than I quote any other, and that's probably because when Michael. First got into a big boy bed, and he couldn't sleep through the night. 
at five, six in the morning when he would wake me up every day, which at that time was early, but now that's the time you wake get up, up every anyway. day. Um, Octonauts is always Oct- on. Yeah, yeah, it was always on, and it was it was Octonaut Report. So a creature a report. report, creature, creature report. report. Yes, creature report. So when everybody anybody asks me for a report at work, that's the only thing that goes through my head. <laughs> is the creature report? Yeah. Can you give me the sales report? Creature report. Sales report. Sales report. Oh, gosh. Gotta stop it. Just like when we were reading Caesar. The only thing for Julius Caesar... Yeah, Chase, I brought it back. The thing that kept pocking in my head was, We have no king but Caesar. Crucify him. Crucify him. I'm like, ah. We need to be done with this so that I can be done with that. (laughs) Yeah. I don't need that. I don't need any... Of course, for me, going back through Caesar, it always brings me back to my favorite version of the Friends Romans country speech. <laughs> which is from a movie called Free Enterprise, which has nothing to do with uh, Shakespeare in any way, shape, or form, except for the fact that William Shatner is in Free Enterprise and raps the Friends Romans countryman speech. No tears to tears <laughs> to tears for, for Caesar. Caesar. He was an honorable man. They were all honorable men. Honorable men. Honorable <laughs> men. Uh, yeah, so uh, check it out. Uh, you don't even, uh, it, it's the intro to this episode. Yeah, you don't, even, you don't even have to necessarily watch the movie Free Enterprise, but literally you need to listen to or watch. It's on YouTube. Chase is apparently uh, gonna throw it on the 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 rip for the uh, beginning of the uh, the podcast here. No tears for Caesar. William Shatner rapping, Friends Romans Countryman. Uh, it's it's fantastic. It's the best. It's my favorite adaptation of that speech. Well, there aren't. There's not a tons of tons of adaptations. There's a lot of straight of versions of the play that have been and, filmed, and some very good ones. I really like, um, of course, the Royal Shakespeare Company through BBC has a very good one right now. And I found out while I was searching around for adaptations of this for this podcast that there is just a, like Hulu and all of the rest of them. There's yeah. a paid service that you can do that for Broadway. Yes, um, Cassie recently had. What was it? She got it so that she could watch uh, Daddy Longlegs. So there, all of these Broadway shows, not Hamilton, of course, oh, of course, but for like ninety nine dollars a year, you can get streaming Broadway. And I'm like, oh, I should no, I should not do that. I'm already paying for streaming K dramas. I don't. <laughs> Either way. Well, I actually need to watch this one. Which one? This was released in two thousand and two. Uh, Jeremy Sisto, of all people, plays Caesar. I don't know who that is. Jeremy Sisto, uh, he is the the husband in Waitress. Have you ever seen Waitress? Yeah, I have. With Nathan Fillion. He's her husband. He's Carrie... Uh, Carrie Russell. Carrie Russell's husband. In that. He was in Clueless. Elliot? Elton. Elton? Sorry. I should have known that because Elton is the, uh, in Emma, it is, he's the minister. Okay. 
So either way, so there's yeah, so Jer- Jeremy Sisto. What? Let me let me get back to this one. Jeremy Sisto plays uh, Caesar, Gaius Julius. Um, Richard Harris plays Sulla. Christopher Walken plays Cato. I don't know her, but she plays Calpurnia. I uh, don't know her. I don't know the guy who plays first in Jetterix. Either way. Bad. Like, Christopher Walken plays Cato? Okay. So. I'm into that. I don't know who Brutus is. Oh, Ian Duncan plays Brutus. Okay, so all of these names that you're dropping here reminds me of Julius Caesar and the fact, let's let's start off with one of the themes that we see through here. And I think also the title of the play, there is a lot of name dropping that happens in this play. Cato, being in this play, is unnecessary. Oh, yeah. Uh, but he is a Roman senator. and He so. is a Roman senator. So at this time in Rome, we have some of the most famous Romans. Uh, Seneca the poet, Seneca the senator, who they, there's a moment in the play where a whole bunch of people are coming for Seneca the poet. And they're like, ah, you're one of the conspirators. And he's like, no, 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 you mean Seneca the senator. I'm Seneca the poet. And they're like, your verses are bad. So there's <laughs> Shakespeare does a lot of name dropping in the middle of this play. Cato, the elder being in here, and uh, he drops plenty in here and he drops like all of these names of people who yeah they're going to be around the area but they may not have been involved in this actual instance but he doesn't spend a lot of time name dropping the things that are actually involved in the culture he talks about the gods but he doesn't name drop any of the gods he talks about um people who come before but he doesn't name drop any of them people who come after but he doesn't name drop he's just throwing out famous people at the time like using Julius Caesar to sell tickets to the show. Heston was in two versions of Julius Caesar, 20 years apart. Charlton Heston was in a 1950 film version of Julius Caesar, where he played Mark Antony. And he was in a 1970 Julius Caesar, where he played Mark Antony. So... One of my, one of the Julius Caesars that I remember most does have Charlton Heston as Mark Antony, and it's probably the nineteen seventy one. Apparently, there were two. It's it's probably the nineteen seventy one because he's a little bit older in it. Um, There's also a Marlon Brando. But we can't get past Caesar. We can't get past adaptation with this without talking about how it is used to describe. And that's when Brando plays Antony. Politics. Yes. So often. When we get somebody who is seen as a despot, um, like we are right now with with Trump, there's a lot of, you know, oh, he's a fascist, the fascist regime, the fascist right, that kind of thing. We're having that big nationalist push that hopefully everybody's fighting against because silence is the killer. Get out there, call your senators, not the ones that kill Caesar. Um so we have this big nationalist push, and I keep hearing things like, let's do Julius Caesar with Trump. Well, that doesn't work. And I've seen some ads, some like preview ads for um, theater troops who are out there doing Julius Caesar as Trump. But Trump wouldn't be the Julius Caesar in this play. He would maybe be the Cassius. Cassius, yeah. 
more like way way more likely to be Cassius. Than right. Than now, I don't know that he's smart enough to be Cassius because Cassius, although everything goes wrong, had people followed his fucking plan and killed Antony as well, it could have worked. It could have because Octavius oh. Octavius without Antony would have fallen. Would have been less successful. Well, he was far a, less successful. He was a boy. He was sixteen. Sixteen. 15, 16. So he's a young boy. He would have fallen. But th- th- this thought of of Trump as Julius Caesar take him down because he is becoming too full of himself. His hubris is killing him. It doesn't quite work because he hasn't done anything for the people. And he's not really turning the people's minds. Julius Caesar isn't turning the people's minds. Also, like on a, on a similar note, that would also require... His kind of pick pick my words here very carefully. It would require him to have people around him that weren't running for the fucking hills. That's also true. Because in in in, in the the world where Trump is Caesar, then you really have to pick your Cassius very well. And I think his Cassius, in, in if I were to be you know a year ago writing that, uh, you know, casting this, your Cassius would be your Jared Kushner, your, either your Jared Kushner or your, uh, your Ivanka's. I think, like, if I and, roll, if I roll back the time and I'm putting Trump as Julius Caesar, mm-hmm. then I'm going to take, um, Bannon. Oh, I, okay, sure. So Bannon's going to be my Cassius mm-hmm. because he did... a little bit try to throw it out. Uh, now, or, I will Okay, be, Bannon for Cassius or Bannon for Brutus? Bannon, no, Bannon is definitely not Brutus. He's no, not an honorable Cassius. man. Um, mm. So, yeah, Bru- if anything, <laughs> Dennis Kucinich. Um, so, if we take it back even further, I could see an excellent production being done with George W. Mm. as Julius Caesar. Because there were enough people around him who were for the good of the American people trying to push through um, impeachments mm-hmm. that weren't really standing on any kind of legs because he didn't do any impeachable offenses. He was just an idiot who got too big of himself. And grounds for impeachment are pretty like pretty thin. Like you don't need a lot. You, you actually need a, you need support, but you don't need a lot of grounds to impeach. But former U.S. Senator Dennis Kucinich put forward thirty-five articles of impeachment for. Uh, George W. 35. So that would be a moment where I would say, ooh, there, there is a good Julius Caesar moment in history. There's where you've got someone who the people, the general people, liked George W. Bush for what he had done with 9-11. There was even a time where I was like, all right, yeah, Gore couldn't have handled that as well. Mm-hmm. But the further into his presidency we got the more we realize that he's not a good president not doing good things for the country the closer we got to just wanting him gone cheney was definitely cassius oh cheney led julius caesar oh so was brutus was brutus colin powell sure why not i was say cheney was definitely cassius clearly but cassius is of course smart and also trying to get rid of someone. Well, Cassius, to power. Cassius is incredibly important in this play, and so is Brutus. Brutus and Cassius are really 
the most important characters. Oh, there's your Bruce. If you're going to do Trump, Mike Pence. He's your Brutus. I really hate Pence, though. You're allowed to hate Pence. I know. He tries to be an honorable man. I don't agree. Let's let's also put the disclaimer with not a one up at this table, not a single person at this table believes anything that Pence has to say. We all think that he's a big old scumbag and Mm -hmm. is all for wrong. But he thinks what he is doing is righteous. Now, there's a difference between being an honorable man Mm -hmm. and a dishonorable man. Well, that's that's exactly what Friends Friends Roman Countryman calls calls that out perfectly. Fair, fair. Honorable and good are different things. Because Mark Mark Antony repeatedly calls Brutus's honor into question Mm -hmm. during that speech. Because they said Caesar was ambitious, but he did he did this. Was that an ambitious act? But Brutus said so, and Brutus is an honorable man. I love that Mark Antony's last little dig is, oh, and in Julius Caesar's will, he gives you all 75 drachma. It's like, hey, when the president died, he loved every single person here, all the national parks, and... His money. Fitty bucks. Here's fitty bucks from Julius Caesar. Here's some fitty bucks. So. Go buy most of a game for my Switch. Right. So, if we're going to take a U.S. president to really make this about, let's go back to like. Lincoln. McKinley. We could do Lincoln. We could do Lincoln. Lincoln's a very good one for it. Lincoln, Lincoln was killed because people thought what he was doing was wrong for the country. I was going for someone who set up a whole bunch of national parks. Sure. But yeah, Lincoln... Well, Lincoln... The, and the man the who killed... The proclamation that, you know... The like, man who killed Lincoln did it because he thought it was what was right for the country and would help him. So, there's, there's a lot of this talk of... Let's do Julius Caesar as Trump. It's just, it doesn't work. It doesn't work. It doesn't work because Julius Caesar in this play is not the bad guy. Julius Caesar's not a bad guy. You could do, you could take a look at the way the media and the right treated Obama. I mean, each, yeah. this, to this day, we still say thanks, Obama, for stuff for no good reason. Mm-hmm. Um, and for good reason. Thanks, yeah. Obama. Yeah, no thanks. Um, so um, I, I don't think that's a that's I don't think it's a good follow through line. I don't think it's yeah. a good through line. I don't think it's a good a good no, way to there, go there. No, there is there is a theater company in New York that does Julius Caesar for every presidential election, mm-hmm. and I think it's important that's, that every that's presidential different. election. What they're right. doing is saying, "Hey, you know, take a look at how people's words." sway you and what the reality of situations are and if we have to boil down i know every one of these other plays that we've talked about we've boiled down what the meaning of the play is into a word for instance othello it was all about control no it was about truth (laughs) nice try Beth. i said it first so i win (laughs) no (laughs) so if i'd have let it go you'd have won but i didn't let it go so this is this play comes down to be aware how people are swaying you. I say a big part of a big part of this play is hubris. Hubris, manipulation. Yeah, and hubris. It's not even necessarily Caesar's hubris. Cassius is hubris. Brutus is hubris. Brutus is Brutus is hubris. Uh, even Octavius 
at the end when he's like, no, Mark Antony, I know you're a seasoned general and you've been doing this for a while, but I want to do this my way. Don't worry. I got this. I'm the heir to Caesar. His great-grandson would go on to be Little Boots, the general. Little Boots? Yeah, Caligula. Little Boots. Ah, okay. Yes, Caligula was the great-grandson of Caesar. Or was he the great-grandson of Octavius? Caesar had children, but none of them were... Well, Octavius was his adopted son, who was his, his nephew. nephew. But Caesar... he did adopt Octavius, and, right. and named him his heir. Right. Caesar did have a child. His name... He had Caesarian, at least with... Uh, um, Calpurnia. Cleopatra. Oh, yeah, that's right. Cleopatra. Had uh, Caesarian. And so he had children, they just weren't ever with his wife. He never, yes, he had, he never he, legitimized any of them. Right, so... Which he could have done, but he didn't. When he was at Peru... He was put on a couple of, you know, a couple more weeks, maybe. <laughs> Month, two more. Month, but they had to play swords without telling him. Without ah, telling him. Everybody's got to be armed if you're going to play swords. and Or else everybody dies. And so they're... There's so many good moments in this play of premonition as well. Speaking of playing swords, um, I love that they all dip their hands in the mm. blood. Yep. That everybody's hands are unclean in this moment. Um, and that that, it wasn't, it, Caprini didn't see exactly what happened, but she saw that everybody's hands were, like, everybody the smiling dipping. men were bathing their hands in his blood. Yeah. It was a bloody statue in her dream, but it meant the same thing. This play is so dry that you kind of have to pull for moments in it that are going to have great meaning or that you can make juicy. And I, I think that really tying back in that premonition to what's going on inside the Senate room is one of the ways that you could, as a director, really... Amp that up. Because after the third act, the fourth and fifth act, do you just have everybody running at fucking swords for yeah, a while? Yeah, that's just the battles. That's just, yeah, it's just murder. It, it, and it's... A lot of people die. A lot of people die. The name of this play is Everybody Everybody Dies. Yeah. Everybody Dies. Unless you're needed for Cleopatra and Antony. Yeah, unless you're needed for Antony and Cleopatra, then you, you die. You did. Because Mark Antony, he lives. Yep. Octavius lives. Yep. Uh, who becomes Augustus Caesar. Mm-hmm. But he's still Octavius for yes. Antony and Cleopatra. Yes, he remains Octavius as far as Shakespeare is concerned. Yeah. But yeah, no. Antony and Cleopatra, which is the follow-up, and so, you know, we get that story, you know, and Mark Antony going to do the same things that Caesar did, have sex with Cleopatra. She's apparently a very beautiful woman. Not in this play, though. No. Nope. No. Had no, there been... are not. There are not a ton of women. There are a few women in this play, but not many. Two, really, three. Two, two major ones, really, with Portia, Calpurnia, and then there's uh, there's one more. It starts with an M. Either way, um, traditionally, I have always seen the soothsayer done as a woman. Mm. Uh, a lot of the ones I've seen, the soothsayer is a man. So, but I think that role could go, it either, go either, way. either direction. Doesn't really matter. Um. This is a male-based play, and there is a lot of male love yes. in the play. Over and over again, we talk... I believe even Brutus calls Caesar his lover at one point. 
I think, yeah. I think he so. uses that word as like, you know, I have killed my my love. I have killed my lover. Um, and he, I mean, he, I don't believe that they were in a physical relationship. The way but, we think of the word lover being, but there is a lot of, a lot of male love talked about in this play in a way that male love should be talked about, yes. I think, and is mm-hmm. not. So when we talk, we're, we often speak about the, the. Well, it's like it's like the end of the movie Wayne's World, and you know the guy goes and I learned that you know to, platonic love between two men is you know, perfectly it's, okay. Yeah. Well, there's a, there's a lot of talk about toxic masculinity, and this play I often we, we always this talk, play we, is about toxic masculinity. It is about, and it's also about the opposite of that. Yes. So I spend a lot of time talking about feminism in place. Feminism. Part of that is disrupting the toxic masculinity. Yes. So there is a lot of male love that is going on between. Well, like Brutus, Brutus loves Caesar. They are close he, friends. They love Caesar. Uh, Antony loves Caesar. Yes. Antony loves, and, and and they talk about that that strong bond of love, of friendship. That it is beyond friendship. That I. I do owe this man more tears than I can shed. Yep. That these people mean more to me than just family. His wife, uh, Brutus's wife, dies. And Brutus is like, this really sucks. And I hate that she's dead. Let's not talk of her anymore. It's not as important to him. As the fact that... that He murdered Caesar. He murdered Caesar. It's not as important to him that um, Cassius and... Titinius. Titinius are dead. Yeah, those two don't matter to him. Nearly as much as the fact that he killed Caesar. It doesn't matter as much. Like, he sees all of his friends around him dying, and there is tears to be shed in a way that he doesn't have for his wife, his one true wife. She makes a huge deal about that. Yep. I am your one true wife. I am but it, your it's, other it's, it's Actually, it's a thing we see uh, in other... Shakespearean plays that deal with the same time period, the same, the Roman uh, time period. So we see a similar thing in Coriolanus, where uh, Telesophidius talks about Coriolanus. He's like, I was not as happy to see my lady wife on our wedding night as I am to see Coriolanus. Yeah. You know, it's, it's you know. So there's a lot of this Roman ideal of well, love, like like well, love different than different than eros, which is well, it's and it's blood, the, it's, it's also, also blood is thicker than water, which many people wrongly assume means that family is the most important thing because you're tied by blood. It actually really goes back to Roman times of blood is thicker than water, and that blood men you have shed blood with that is that is your more important tie. Those are your bonds that are the most important in your life is those who you have shed blood with and have bled next to and things like that. You, the, that's what that phrase actually means. And that's a lot of what we get with the Roman things, especially like with Brutus and Caesar and things like that, is that's what they're talking about, like with Mark Antony and Caesar. They've fought next to each other and have, you know, bled together. And that's what the blood is thicker than water is. Yeah. I like... I. I just really appreciate the taking time to recognize and tell the men in your life that you love them 
as a man instead of just being like, bro, sup. Yeah. Well, there are different ways to tell another man that you love him. Like what? Sometimes all it is is bro, sup. Let's get some beers. Some brewskis? Yeah. Sit around, drink some beers, have a good time. Enjoy each other's company. Talk about Shakespeare. Talk when was the last time that you were like, ah, oh, that man, he was my lover? Well, since I've never made love to a man, I've never no, said that. But Brutus didn't make love to Shakespeare. No, but in today's modern society, the, the word lover has that connotation. Mm-hmm. Now I have told several of my male friends that I love them. I hear, actually, I hear you and our dude dudes, your bros. Bros. Tell each other you love them all the time. Okay. Yeah. yeah, I'll tell John or Chris or whatever, you know. That's, but... I'm pretty sure I've heard it said over Xbox while watching them play Monster Hunter. I don't know. I haven't, I haven't been on Monster Hunter, so... Let me go, go by. Let's go kill some chocobos. That's, uh, you're mixing your... I'm not. You know? It's what I call them. <laughs> They're all chocobos. Every one of them. That's a Even green that chocobo. That's a blue chocobo. Quit killing that chocobo. Can I ride that chocobo? It's a grand wizard dragon! I don't actually know what they are. But grand wizard dragon sounds good. <laughs> so they're fighting KKK dragons? <laughs> clan dragons. Now, the clan would be an excellent way to try to reinterpret Julius Caesar. Yeah, but that would involve putting you way said too much Julius Caesar, and I would like to point that out. <laughs> Drulius. Chase Greenlee, I have been up since 7.45. I worked an 11 and a half hour day today, mm. and I helped at least three people salvage their homes. So I said Julius Caesar. What, pa? What, pa? I help fiduciaries. Oh, <laughs> But no, it's, it's the thing about Caesar is that Really, like, and like we've said when we were going through the plot synopsis, it, the, the play is not about Caesar. The play is about Marcus Brutus. It's about his his ability to see a, what he thinks is a grander picture, see the issue he thinks is within that grander picture, and then realize that he messed everything up, has lost everything for his mistake, and that there is no possible way back for him. His There's no way out. He, he has to die. And the thing that he... And he realizes The that. thing that he mourns most is the loss of Rome. Yep. The entirety of it. Rome is lost well, to and him. That's, He's exiled. That's, that's why he, of all of the conspirators, is considered still to be an honorable man at the end of it. By Antony and Octavius, and he is buried honorably by Octavius's order because he, of all of the conspirators, was doing what he thought was best for Rome, and the only reason he was involved was because he thought he was bettering Rome. Wrong. He was wrong because he was swayed by Cassius. He was wrong because, I mean, stabbing your best friend because you think it'll save Rome is maybe talk to the guy. Maybe talk to him instead. Would, would you stab Chase if you thought Chase was going to bring down the United States? I'd talk to Chase. 
Why does it always come back to you with Shakespeare? Eh, I just need to talk more. You think that communication could fix every Shakespeare play? Because it could. Wow. Huh. I mean, it, it worked for most of Three's Company, so you know, but, I mean, it scans. But no, if Brutus, if Brutus goes to Shakespeare sorry, instead, because Three's Brutus, Company, I watched a lot of uh, Nick at Night as a kid, and it all boils down to like people. But just aren't you like thirty now? Why are you still talking about Three's Company? Because it was a touchstone from my childhood. Yeah. I watched a lot of Mash growing up. Yeah, and Cheers. Mm. Cheers. Cheers. A lot we, of we Cheers. actually watched through all of Cheers again when Izzy was born. As, does that hold up at all? Oh yeah. Oh, we watched a lot of Star Trek: The Next Generation. I'm, We've watched quite a bit of that too. I'm terrified that that won't hold up. It does. Okay, Some good. does. Some all, of it does not. All of it. No. <laughs> Some of it does not. But yeah, TNG. TNG. Episode one, Farpoint. Still holds up as one of the greatest episodes in television history. For the for the most part, TNG holds up. Okay. There's definitely some episodes yeah. where you're like, yeah, I I dipped into TNG at really like kind of random points when I was in high school. I would watch. It was on I think, TBS for like you uh, ups- two hours. You block. upset me. I know. I start, well, I started watching it when it was new. Yeah, me too. High yeah. five. Um, it was appointment TV in the Singer household. Yeah, it was on like 10, I, 10 o'clock at night. Na- yeah, 9, 10 o'clock. Nine, nine, I had to find sci-fi. I had to find Star Trek on my own. Neither of my parents the are sci-fi, sci-fi or fantasy fans. The sci-fi actually. channel did not exist when we were It was on Fox, up. I think. I want to say Fox carried. Sure, yeah. I don't care. Watched on TBS and reruns. Good, good, I didn't good have cable. For, I had, good for you. Yeah. My parents, my dad. I had Farmer Vision. As much as we went to church... And we're indoctrinated into that theology. Sure. My father indoctrinated us into Tolkien mm-hmm. theology, like to the point where it stopped being literature and started being. Yeah, Dan. Dan is super so, into, into Tolkien. Mm-hmm. When we talk about all of these sitcoms, we didn't watch them. We watched. Star Trek The Next Generation. Uh, we watched, I've watched every episode of Buffy I watched as it aired. Um, we would, yeah, we watched that kind of stuff growing up. TGIF was the appointment viewing? In the I, wa- I watched TGIF, but I had to go into the other room to watch it. Or SNCC. Yeah. Which was Saturday Night Nickelodeon. Mm-hmm. SNCC at night, I would have to go into the other room. I don't know what that is, because I didn't have cable. <laughs> yeah, because you grew up in the middle of nowhere. His, his house growing up was next to the cemetery out. Like, if you drive out far enough where you're like, ooh, did I go the wrong way? Am I in Indiana now? It's not that's that where, far that's away. That's where he lives. Indiana is one the wrong direction from my house. That's why I said went the wrong way and I'm now in Indiana. And two, I'm only 15 minutes out of Bowling Green. <laughs> but it feels like BFE. <laughs> It's in the middle of nowhere. Anyway, I think we've probably we've kind of dried up here. Yeah, so that that is Caesar. Shakespeare. There's not a whole lot of thematic things to really pull on, except for look at why you're listening to who you're listening to. I was that, saying, watch really your watch your hubris. Watch your obviously, hubris. you know. 
Um, this is the most boring ghost scene of ghost scenes. Yes, it is the worst ghost scene of all of them. Mm. Though, though I do like it is pretty baller that the ghost of Caesar shows up to tell Brutus that he's going to see him tomorrow. Um, the women are so inconsequential in this piece that I don't even feel like. Calpurnia is almost consequential. No, they're worthless. She's almost consequential, but then she's not. Shakespeare did not put a woman of consequence in this. No. Which is sad because Rome is actually a time in which women could have consequence. Well, and Calpurnia did historically. Um, Some of the most powerful women in Rome were the Vestal Virgins. They could, once they were done with their time at the hearth of Vesta, could go on to own property. So there were women who were powerful. We don't see them. Well, say in history, Calpurnia is far more... Powerful and important than she is in this. Right. So Shakespeare chose, like Ivanhoe, to put no women of note in it. We're going to knock on Ivanhoe. Because other than Rowena, there's no one in it. There's only one woman. Yeah, but it's, it's not about women, either. Not everything has to be. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, I, yeah, it does. Everything in my life is about being a lady. So, but I'm saying it doesn't have to be. I mean, some of my favorite and, stuff is has no dudes in it, even. So, but, and, and you know. so, where the feminist gender talk comes from, I think, in this play, is focusing on that male love. Yeah, it's, it's, how, it's about platonic male love, is, is and, yeah. and how okay and, I think we'll and open re- it is. Yeah, and I and think what we'll that really says get into that later with Coriolanus. I don't want to talk about the anus play. But anyway, sorry, I, I interrupted. Well, I'm not really, I mean, yeah, there's not a whole lot to go into. It plums the depth for Julius Caesar. It is what it is. Um, coincidentally, like, like we said before, this is this is a history, but not a history. This is actually a tragedy. It is the tragedy of Julius Caesar. Yeah. It is does have a historical basis, as his tragedies tend to, but it is not one of the histories, you know. Yeah. Uh, as as it would stand. It, and I don't feel that it... Like, it, the writing of it doesn't really seem to correlate with anything that's going on during Shakespeare's time during the Restoration no. period. And it's generally it more is. entertaining than the histories. Yeah. Ugh. Gosh. Most of the histories are garbage. We're going to have to get super drunk to talk about the histories. Yeah, we're going to start early on those nights so we can be shit. I might bring a blow-up mattress and just stay here. We have a guest bedroom. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to have to bring a blow-up mattress and just stay here. I'm going to get faced when we do those, though. Yeah. We're going to block them together. All right. Get them all Let's... out of the No, I think we should spread them out and get them, you know, so we're doing something fun in between them. That's true. So let's wrap this thing up. I think it's time to sign off. Uh, yeah, so this has been the Shakespeare Podcast episode ten. number 10. Woo! Double Does that mean we're syndicated now? I don't know. We hit the double digits, though. So that's pretty awesome. Uh, I feel good about that. I think uh, we are going to move on to Antony and Cleopatra for yeah, next time. That we're, makes sense. We're, yeah, we're, already, we're already in the right space. We're already in the right spot we'll for it. right into we're it. We're going to go to Antony and Cleopatra next for episodes 11 and 12. So uh, I have been Ryan Halfhill. I still am Elizabeth Roars. And I will continue to be Chase Greenlee. What, Paul? Oh, say goodnight, boy. I mean, John, boy. Say goodnight, John, boy. Goodnight, boy. <laughs> 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 <laughs>